You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to our episode of Very Loose Women, all about clowns. My name is Leo, and in the studio this evening, there is, as usual, Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi. And Catherine. Hello, good evening. And our guests this week are Helen Duff, writer and performer. She has a show and workshops on at the moment. Hi, Helen. Hello. And also Evie how do I pronounce it? Fahili. Fahili. Great. Good job. Perfect. Good job. Um, who Good has job. also trained as a clown and currently works at Shh. Yeah. Great. Shush Women's And stores. has a theatre yeah. company. So before we get into the topic of the week, let's hear some highs and lows as usual with our weekly gripes and mini celebrations. Who wants to start? Catherine. Well, my gripe. <laughs> no choice I'm there. Feeling, I'm feeling. I just think this is a kind of perpetual gripe that comes up in the working world. But you book a holiday because you want to relax and you're entitled to your time off to relax for your, you know, physical and mental well-being. But in order to go on holiday, you always have to work twice as hard beforehand and then twice as hard when you get back. You plan the holiday. That is also hard work. But I think the holiday is well planned. I'm looking forward to it. But I have been working very hard and I feel like that just kind of outweighs the, the benefits mm. I'm going to gain. It all cancels out. <laughs> so there's my gripe of the week. Emma? Um, my gripe is that, so I've not been feeling that well, so actually I got a sneaky Uber here, which is a bit cheeky, but whatever. And um, I think the driver kind of realised that I probably wasn't in like that much of a mood to talk. So he very kindly put on Smooth FM, which I don't mind, I listen to it all day at school, I know all the hits. But what he did do that kind of upset me was, he sang over every song, his own song, which I don't even think was a real song, but it certainly wasn't the songs that were playing. So I felt that was quite disturbing. Is that, is that a gripe for a mini celebration? You be the judge. Was was he doing it especially for you? I did wonder if it was like aimed at me, but I <laughs> to make you feel better. Well, he just he just kept on singing like I want you back in my arms, but like literally it was like songs were like Brian Adams and stuff. Like it certainly wasn't the same song that was playing any at any point. Helen, do you have a gripe for a mini celebration? I have a gripe. I am I am doing these women only clown workshops, as we will talk about later. And I was really excited because I got an immediate response when I started talking about them on social media, etc., and put the link up online. And I got this email straight away by somebody who wanted to come. <laughs> as I said, it's a women only space. Anyone who identifies as a woman can come along, is in London. And the first uh, email email I got was from a man asking if uh, <laughs> there could be an exception made in his case which was uh, fine I yeah. just haven't responded um, I also have a porridge in a bra that I really really like you have porridge in a bra that you really like yeah I just bought a beautiful new bra and then I went and did a 24 hour 48 hour theatre festival in Leicester and one of the roles I played involved me rubbing porridge all over my tits <laughs> I mean, that's Makes a sense. natural consequence to get porridge in your bra if exactly. that was part of I mean, you should have expected <laughs> that have more a different through. bra. Exactly. I had a lovely silken robe on, but I didn't, I like pulled that out, so I didn't porridge it. Mm. Next time, wear a bikini. I think that'd be easier Top to clean. Tip next time I'm asked to rub porridge <laughs> on my tits, I'll be prepared. <laughs> Um, Evie, I'm curious about the guy, Helen. Did yes. he? What was his reason for uh, for wanting to have an excuse made for him? What was his excuse? I, he's just really into clowning. He likes the sound oh. of the workshop. I'm sure I wouldn't mind if there was just one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> well, my gripes are pretty boring. It's about the weather. I just can't cope with this humid weather. Rain. 
fine. Mm. Humidity. Oof, can't do it. What I love, do it. I have to say, the weather is very annoying, but I like that people refer to it as muggy. I really enjoy the yeah. word muggy. So every time I hear it, it makes you have a little smile. Even muggy though it's annoying. Is good. It's different, isn't it, to close? There's a diff is a different style of weather to close, right? Who says close about weather? Is this something no. I haven't heard? I really like the term close when it comes to weather. What, what does that what mean? Weather does that close I think weather? this is muggy because we feel as if it's going to rain and it's also quite a grey sky. Whereas close is when it's humid but light open sky. So it's kind of a, a heat that doesn't feel as if it might break into rain. I'm stunned. I can't believe that. We've never spent this long talking about the weather on, on our show. Maybe with good reason. Right, Leo, did you have a great yeah, celebration you want to okay, mention? So my mini is quite cheeky because it's actually like shameless self promotion of the show from um, William Miles, a Twitterer um, at WTF Miles, which I must say is a great Twitter handle, and I'm proud to be followed by him. So he tweeted at VLW Radio, which by the way is our Twitter handle, and you are welcome, fans who have not got in touch before. To tweet us similar similar messages anytime you like, was any that, time of the was day. That VLW Radio. It was. Thank you for double checking that. At VLW Radio <laughs> was indeed what it was. So it was cheers at VLW Radio, who I've been listening to for a long time and only just followed their Twitter in the composition of this tweet. Nice. Next tweet. Always an education, an inspiration, sometimes like a tender interrogation. Helps me see myself clearly and mend my prickish ways. So good. I just thought that was a lovely, lovely tweet. We're providing a free uh, therapeutic service for him. Tender good. In- interrogation. It's quite poetic. I and know. his follow-up tweet, so I tweeted back saying, tonight we're doing a show on clowns. Any input on that? This is what he replied. <laughs> too many tweets. He's clearly a super just fan. Just so chirping in my head. Ooh, in the tradition of the court jester from King Lear, to the tribe's day of clowning, Stuart Lee discovered and loved, to clown Bojo, the Prince of Sinister, I would like to see what he looks like in that makeup. So I didn't get all of the references there, and actually, um, you both elucidated some of, some of them. There was bits that I didn't get. There's a bit in Stuart Lee's book, How I Escaped My Certain Fate as a Stand-Up Comedian, I think where he stumbles upon a, an a old school a clown bouffon ritual in a French town in, I think, probably Provence somewhere, and um, essentially draws a circle around the performers at this kind of, f- f- like, late-night summer fete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Draw a circle around themselves outside the church and then perform outrageous or audacious or sacrilegious material, but because they're within this kind of safe space... It's allowed. Mm. So, indeed, our main topic is on clowns. And I have a little bit of a song to introduce because we are getting into the topic eventually. Right now is the moment when. So um, I grew up 
um, a clownophobe. Sorry, I should say that was stuck in the middle with you by Steeler's Wheel, um, played right off YouTube there. Um, so <laughs> Modern technology. <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> I grew up a clownophobe, and I would scream when a clown approached the house, I've been told. And I also had this regular nightmare. So I lived like at this big house down the end of a lane, and one of the sub-lanes of this lane, I dreamt that behind this gate there were a gang of clowns that were there, and I would just have this recurrent dream about these really really scary clowns and then when I told Emma about this she said that that clowning is not necessarily the same as like a kid's party clown so I just wanted to ask what counts as a clown you must be really struggling because both Evie and I are sitting here with huge big shoes and red noses and white face (laughs) (laughs) squaring water from your flowers exactly with massive red bold headed wigs on Um, I think we talked about it earlier didn't we and we said Mm. that that's nothing like what we do that whole shtick and it's very much a certain type of clown uh whereas i guess we both studied at the same place in paris just outside actually called uh l'école philippe gaulier I, everyone says it differently pronounced. everyone says it differently and uh people say gaulier, gaulier, gaulier. <laughs> it's like they're choking on a frog and um that's essentially about learning the basic principles of connecting to an audience, being really sensitive to what they want, not necessarily having to come on with a, a really precise script. In fact, working on repetitions and really simple game in order to achieve a kind of childish pleasure, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you heard, Evie, you mentioned about this clown therapy that perhaps I could have done as a child. Ah, uh, yeah. It's it's a real... I've only heard about this clown therapy. haven't received any myself. But um, no, it's for people who are clown phobics. Uh, they go to the circus. They meet the clown before he's put on his makeup. And then the idea is that they watch, they watch him put his makeup on to see the man behind the mask sort of thing. And it's supposed to cure cure clown phobia so for both of you what kind of attracted you to the idea of being or impersonating a clown what what would you say for that becoming a clown training as a clown learning. i don't know what you'd say no, i wouldn't like, say that no you wouldn't say I training wouldn't, i wouldn't say training to become a clown i don't know i always saw it is it similar to like studying different subjects at school or studying clownship um just studying clown as an art form mm. And then seeing in what ways what you could take from it and combine into your own work. Like I guess visual artists do. They study different painters, but they don't necessarily paint in the same style. Um, So I went, Evie and I's roots are slightly different. I discovered, I'd never even heard of it really, other than what you were talking about, I guess, like birthday party entertainers. Um, And then I was at Lambda in West London and a guy was teaching physical theatre and lots of different forms of that. He'd been to Le Coq, which is like the rival school in Paris, um, called Mark Bell, who is a director now, has been a part of the show that goes wrong, the play that goes wrong, that's been massive in the West End and is now on Broadway. And uh, I loved it. It was the my favourite part of my two-year training at Lambda. So then when I left, I wanted to do more of that. And I, I had known people who'd gone and really enjoyed it. And I'd seen people's work who I was blown away by, like Caroline Horton and Phil Burgers, who's known as Dr. Brown. So mm. I wanted to get a piece of it, really. Yeah, um, 
seeing work really was was seeing work that was made by Gollier graduates this style kept on coming up again and again uh, Helen mentioned Caroline Horton and she was one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Gollier but it, it sort of happened by accident really that it um I I wanted to learn clown because it gives as an actor it gives you such an amazing relationship with an audience it helps you to be there in the moment working out what's working what isn't and then reacting to that yeah um I just kind of still want to know a bit more about what clowning really means so like is it necessarily comic or could it be tragic or how does it work is it kind of physical comedy or the interesting thing ah so I guess what we've just both spoken about we kind of scouted around it didn't we um because we're speaking about the thing it gives you as an actor or performer Mm. or comedian in any form and actually as well I think just as I don't mean to keep coming back to the workshops I've been doing but in terms of even if you're just presenting a like something at work or kind of we can talk about this later, like having sex with your partner, just being present and being really mm-hmm. responsive and reactive. Um, but the classical clown is not necessarily about making sure that you are able to um, be intimate with your loved ones. It's <laughs> it's more of that kind of, I guess, Laurel and Hardy, Mr. Bean, Buster Keaton, that kind of um, predominantly non-verbal, but mm. people take it in a verbal direction for sure. And I can I think that because I've spoken to other attendees of your clown clown college clowning establishment, um, and we should make it really clear that you do like one course in clown too, for ten yeah. weeks, but you also do Shakespearean Greek tragedy and so many other things. Um, and he kind of explained that like you're you're looking for like your inner clown or like your inner idiot maybe, and you have like your own kind of clown sona. He didn't use this word. I'm using the word now. Clown sona. <laughs> um, he certainly did not say clown sona. But like, do you think that's right that you kind of develop a specific character or? Gaulier had this um, great way of putting it that when people were laughing, uh, your clown, you see, has this uh, gruff uh, French voice and he says, uh, when, when the audience, they laugh, your clown is around your body. And I, and I love that. That's all it is to me. It's sort of no more than that. It isn't an inner persona. It's just when they're laughing at me, when I'm funny and lovable in this moment, that's when I'm my clown sort of thing. Yeah, I always used to imagine that as a kind of, because he talks a lot about having pleasure in yourself to be on the stage and to share yourself with an audience which is one of the biggest principles that I took from it. And I always imagined that idea of your clown is around you as a kind of like little golden mirage, mm. you know, like of sort of just pure joy. So in, in terms of um, how it's then, you've you mentioned like how it fed into it, but how you've then drawn from it for your theatrical approach now, mm. like what projects have you both developed that has like been fed into by this? Uh, by this particular approach or do you feel that you've kind of moved on from that and now it's like that's just something else and you forget about it do would you feel like it's like an integral part of your kind of practice now I feel like everything uh, I, I make is is very linked to the training I've had partly because it's it's sort of the only training I've had and I work quite a lot on the uh, cabaret circuit now and working with people who come from they may may be dancers or they're singers what I can bring to that is all right how do we make this uh joyful and playful and and light and that definitely comes from Gollier yeah absolutely and I also having worked in lots of different kinds of theatre and comedy and stand-up and like alternative improv 
I'm always really excited to see the audience and I'm not sure everybody I've worked with has that mm. same uh, enthusiasm because there's a sense in which like you're going into battle and there's like you're going to make them like it whatever happens and I don't think that's something that's encouraged by the school style like I'm yeah you you go through a period of, of being really taken down a peg but um you you definitely invest a lot in just having fun with an audience mm. so have you had experiences where you've kind of like I don't use the word but like bombed on stage or like where people just haven't really been getting into what you're doing and what do you do in that situation I had an incredibly <laughs> lovely time actually because I had such a tough time at Goliath like I was absolutely toxic <laughs> in terms of it came to doing the homework task, the weekly homework task, where you had to present something the next week and you had to form into groups. And none of my classmates would meet my eye. You know, that whole, like, nobody wants to pick me for the hockey team vibe. So when I came out, I felt pretty low, actually, but also realised I've spent all this money and cried all these tears, so I better make something out of it. And I'd already booked an Edinburgh run, so I had to make a show, which is my first show. Vanity Bites Back and I started to do stand-up nights but doing this kind of character um, who was a cookery show hostess with the mostess who was so much fun and because I'd had such a tough time I then went out onto the circuit and just had the best time because people were laughing and people were enjoying it and I was doing something unexpected and I was really connecting with them. It sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to reflect how much of a pariah I really was at school. <laughs> but I think that is something he really gives you, that he is so horrible and he just bangs you off as soon as you are not getting laughs. No audience is ever going to treat you like that. No matter what happens when you're out on the real circuit, it's never going to be as bad as an old French man with a drum. Are you ever. Great? Oh, literally, he's banging a drum. Yeah, I, thought you, a I drum. thought it was a phrase I didn't know. Like he's banging you yeah. off. Oh no, no, no! He sits there like little Yoda with a beret and red glasses, and he has a drum, and he tells you basically for the whole of this term, I saw you get up on the stage and you'll be funny, yeah, you'll be funny, and then you go off on the stage, you try and be funny, and then he goes bang, 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 bang. You leave my stage. You are awful. <laughs> Do you feel grateful for that experience then, or not? <laughs> I have mixed feelings about it. (laughs) I feel feel grateful for it. I certainly, if you can imagine someone running around as if the stage is covered in hot coals and they're frightened that if they stand in one spot for too long, their entire skin might be flayed off by burning. That's essentially the kind of clown I developed where I was like (laughs) running from everywhere with my hands up as if the house was on fire. And that's what I came out doing. And I've spent quite a bit of time uh, refinding a sense of presence and um, grounding on the stage. But I'm really happy to have both of those energies now. But I've definitely worked with different clown teachers who are like this amazing woman called Holly Stop It, who's based in Bristol, who takes a really therapeutic approach that has helped me to find more sense of it's I belong on the stage. I don't think I necessarily felt that way coming out of Collier. Yeah. Um, so you've both, you've uh, had and done a show about orgasms mm-hmm. and um, Evie, you work at, sh- as we've mentioned, mm-hmm. should I say be saying shush? Shush? Or I heard shush. Spelch, yeah. but 
people say shush. We we call it. It shush. is easier to have a, a voiced vowel. It's there. called Shush Erotic Women's Emporium, which makes it sound very. And fancy. you teach classes there, so you've both yeah. like got this joint orgasm and clown <laughs> background. And I'm just wondering how how they feed into each other and how it's kind of useful in that sense. Well, my new show, so my last show, Come With Me, which I did for the last time on Friday at Camden People's Theatre, I dressed as a sperm and we went on a quest to have an orgasm as an audience and it was completely bonkers. Like, there was no nakedness um, and minimal touching. I did this survey and I asked people about... uh, In fact, the only touching that went on was I jumped on this uh, audience member's back who was dressed as a unicorn. When I say dress, it's quite a loose term. He had a horn on his head, which I'd made out of... um, a Star Wars lightsaber and uh, I say I made my stepdad made for me and um, uh, <laughs> it was a real family affair the um, the show the end of the show big climax was based on these descriptions of orgasms that I'd got from this survey that I did I asked people what does it feel like to orgasm because I've never had one and they were so beautiful one person had said it's like a unicorn riding across your entire body as you explode in fireworks of joy. So we made the unicorn. Another person said it was like eating eight mangoes at once. So I did that every show. One of the reasons why I'm putting it to bed now. And um, and the new show is sort of what happens next. Like I've been to see a tantric shame and all the stuff that I didn't talk about in that show because I hadn't done it yet. And... Um, and I'm really, I've been into, because I'm friends with Evie as well, but I've been into Shush and talked to them and got loads out of being allowed to speak about it in a way that didn't make me feel as if I was in some way broken or faulty, which was really important, I think, for women who, well, gosh, I don't know about you guys, but since doing the show and opening up this conversation with audience members and friends and family members who suddenly feel like it's okay because I've put it out there in the public sphere, lots of other people have done that as well, um, I've realised that no one woman's experience is quite as it's depicted in um, porn and also just general rom-coms. So, yeah, yeah so sorry, that was a long non-breathing response to <laughs> that was my experience of talking about similar, orgasms when we did our show on not coming I had a similar thing of like it it brought up conversations in the pub and I was really surprised that like some of my friends were willing to come on like talk on radio about their experience yeah. so intimately and put their name to it and and actually people are a lot more free about these things mm-hmm. and I also came across some um, groups in South London they wrote into us and said like we actually have like we get together and talk about um our feelings towards sex and things like this so mm. there was definitely like a similar it was a half hour episode so it's not a whole show but mm. it was like um a similar pro- journey and it's very helpful to mm. to have that but in, and and for you in terms of clowning and and your workshops the, the the classes that you teach at shush um the classes i um i actually feel less of my clowning background coming into that than actually just having a customer come into the shop Mm. because uh, every single day I work there we will get a woman who comes in and will burst into tears or or we'll have to sit them down and and I actually do find sort of being a performer I find it so useful because you just that sensitivity to to be able to sort of cheer them up to know okay so they've come here for a reason how do I find out how that is and these sort of tactics that you sort of use as a performer applying to right how do you want to help me with how do you want me to help, me you. To help yeah, you with yeah. your sex life like mm. it's so interesting it's, that mm. um people 
burst into tears because I certainly mm. have done mm-hmm. for sure. All the time. It's such a vulnerable area. I worried that I would, I worried when I started making the show, like the sperm outfit is really fun and I gigged it on the stand-up set and it was ridiculous and hilarious. But then when I extended it into a full hour show and I made it much more complex and personal, um, I worried about the level of exposure I was going to experience and how people would judge me and, mm-hmm. and just talking about if they'd think I was some sort of like skanky woman for speaking about it and then I've realised having done it that so many women in particular feel as if they're wrong or Mm. not perfect I don't know there's such a lot of tension around it yeah what's been the audience feedback do you get people coming up and talking to you straight after when you dive right in there and analyse I found the tantric shaman through an audience member who recommended it uh, and who I'm now in like an email dialogue with which is wonderful she's lovely and gosh going around the Pleasance Courtyard because I did it in Edinburgh uh, last year people were shouting tips at me across this massive beer garden you know one woman said to me I had my first when I was eight and my good friend Hugh Grant had his when he was 12 (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's like radio but with like radio um, I was talking about this with um, uh, someone who writes and who gets like some Twitter abuse and we don't get that probably because we're less high profile Mm. but um, but also I feel like with the radio show people have to buy into it a bit and like if you you can't just like skim through a radio show you have to like listen to it and then engage with the persona and I imagine with stand-up and performance it's a bit like that as well so there's maybe less like of that for sure and the new show that I'm making which is at London Clown Festival on Friday work in progress disclaimer um, (laughs) is even more myself like I, my last two shows, the first one was a character piece, the cookery show hostess. Second, I was mainly in costume as the sperm. And then my mum made me a vagina outfit, which was really low budget. It was just like a poncho off of Amazon and two pairs of tights and uh, and something on my top as well. A high-vis that I cycle in now. Anyway, um, now I'm not really in a costume and I'm definitely being my quite sporadic, explosive thought, talking to myself, self which has been really encouraging because people have super responded to it. They've been like, it's like I'm watching my own inner voices playing out on stage. So that's been really encouraging, this idea of if you give yourself completely, then people totally respond to it. I have a question which is probably along similar lines. You mentioned before about just learning that joy of being yourself on stage and joy in being in, in your own body. And this is probably for both of you, but how can more people get that because it seems like you guys learn a lot doing clowning as a way to actually find that sense of self yes can i I talk about helen's doing some workshops (laughs) (laughs) they're called let your idiot off the leash and they're for women only in london um i'm doing one in oxford actually that's mixed and that's um in partnership with crisis so we've got a real mixed people coming to it but that's the oxford one anyway um yeah and it's very much about this Uh, they start with a centering meditation Exercise, which is something I learned from doing my work with Holly Stop It, about how important it is to be kind of inside your own body. And then lots of dancing, lots of physical work to find the absurd hilarity in the female form, which there is so much of that isn't necessarily sexualized, but makes you feel quite sexy because you feel so powerful and funny. And then just clowning games to, yeah, exactly release that spirit of pleasure that you then can carry out into 
scary, pressurised London? You know, I might try and come to one at Please some point do. because I don't think I've ever had an inner clown that's come out. And I don't really clown around that much. I can't think of a single experience of myself acting in a clownish manner unless maybe occasionally on the radio I say something silly, but that's that's it. I'm a very uptight person. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should come along and we can report back and so how find out Catherine how it goes. Find out where and when and how to yeah. sign up to these. Ah, they're all on, you can either go to helenduff.com or there's a Facebook event called Let Your Idiot Off The Leash and there's the booking link is on Eventbrite. They're at The Hive in Dalston, uh, which is an amazing community space and they start on June the 1st and then there's the Thursdays after that and Sundays after that. So there's five of them in total. Would it be a good activity to bring my mum to? Oh my God, that'd be so fun. Yes, please. I'll discuss it with her. Great. <laughs> Um, and you mentioned something at the Rich Mix. Do you want to talk about Ah, yeah. Um, so it's called Let's Talk About Sex. It's uh, going to be a immersive sex education festival day thing. I think it's on the 6th of August. It's around that date, but it's going to be very exciting. It's uh, in conjunction with a production company called Tricky Biscuit and Queer Elective. Amazing. So uh, you can find Helen Duff on her website if you type it in um, to, into Google. Thanks so much to both of you. Um, and uh, We're at BLW Radio. <laughs> so also check out the Clown Egg Registry or Register if you have time, listeners. It's very amusing.